Oh, hey! One second. Okay. C-Note here. Hi! Welcome to C-Note Media. C-Note's Media Madness. I don't know. I haven't picked the name yet, but I'm leaning towards C-Note's Media Madness. Uh, this is like a live show video thing on Facebook, but it's also going to be a podcast. Um, I've spent all day working on a new intro, so I'm excited to show you that. And today we're going to talk about how to spot a new designer. Uh, I got a couple of things, quite a list of things actually, to talk about in this regard, um, including templates, color combinations, uh, terminology, psychology of design, uh, constructive criticism, a whole bunch of stuff. We're going to break down as much as I can think to break down. Uh, and uh, from there, well, let's kick off this intro. Let me know what you think. If I can hit the button, let me find the button first. Okay, are you ready? You ready? You ready? I'm pretty excited. Let's do this. Okay. I, for I forgot that was only 15 seconds. That was nice and short. <laughs> uh, let me know what you think of that, if you dig it. Um, That'd be rad. Uh, we're going to be doing this for every show. I'm a little bit too hot, it looks like. Not sexy hot, but, you know, microphone hot. I guess I could be that, too. Depends on your opinion. Let's see. Okay. I'm looking at the levels on my computer here. Good, good, good. Okay. We're not too hot. We're good. All right. So how are you guys doing? Uh, I'm, I'm here. I got my laptop here, so I'm trying a new setup also so that I can try to catch up on comments and see what's going on and, and check all the things and keep up with this. Um, but for the most part, we're just gonna go. Uh, this is something I've been thinking about for a little while in terms of the show. Um, I think this is gonna be the second episode on the podcast itself. I have a couple of like interviews and things and, and stuff that I've been working on that will be on the podcast as well, but this is like the first official um, solo podcast for this show so i'm pretty excited about that um and uh yeah so today i wanted to talk about how to spot a new designer because this show is going to be about how to connect with people i need to hear myself so i'm going to put on my my headphones to monitor my my voice because otherwise i can't tell it so it always sounds like i always think i'm too low <laughs> so let me know um how the audio sounds to you um, so I wanted to start this show because I wanted to educate non-designers. I wanted to educate and, and talk about deeper topics with other designers. So the purpose of this show will kind of evolve as we go. But right now the point is to kind of, uh, help people understand the complexity and nuance that is involved in graphic design in multimedia, multimedia design, um, having an agency, social media stuff, basically content creation uh, for all sorts of things. The idea here is that I want to help educate people so that they can most likely hire a designer or take the time needed to actually learn what it takes to be a good designer. Take the time to go through lynda.com tutorials and talk to other designers and take the time to learn and grow as a designer and not just throw your cat on a logo and say it's a good design. Uh, 
I want to talk about things that are a little bit more complex than that. There's, there's a lot to it. And for me, and for those of you not familiar with me, uh, as you listen to this podcast, I'm someone that's been working in design for 17 plus years ish, 17 to 20 years. I math is hard. And, um, I've been doing this a very long time. I've come across a lot of people who have, have, uh, asked me to put really sleazy sales tactics onto designs. And that's, where I learned how to sell things is through turning down bad design and learning psychologically what is working for good design. And, um, you know, through that, I was once an amateur designer. I was a new designer. Um, I had to figure things out as I went. I mostly learned through experience. And then I went to school at the Art Institute of Philadelphia to, to learn more formally. Um, but mostly I learned probably the bulk of what I know now through working in Hollywood, doing just a ton of fast paced work, doing a a whole lot of digital marketing, digital content creation, video, static images, things that were needed for film campaigns. And that's a very, very fast moving uh, industry. And I also worked in news and TV. So all of those, those industries are very, very fast. There's high expectations. And that really helped hone my quality is working in those industries. Now, I know not everyone's going to have that uh, access and ability to work in a, a setting like that. And it's, it's, you know, it's unfortunate. But what you really need to do is almost manufacture that urgency in yourself. You know, figure out a way to practice your craft and hone your craft. If you don't have uh, a client, one of the things that you can start with is to figure out a way to make yourself your own client. Like I'm, I'm, if I'm not working on stuff for other people, I am typically doing stuff for myself. I'm creating things for this project, for um, stuff for Molly and her work. I'm helping friends. I'm, I'm finding ways to create relevance for myself and practice my craft in different ways. Or I'll just literally go on YouTube and look at tutorials and, and hone things that way. So now to, to really get into the meat of why we're here, which is to talk about how to spot a new designer. And this is more so specifically for someone who is just has no knowledge of design or very little of knowledge of design and wants to hire a designer. You know, what are you looking for to make sure that you're getting a quality designer? And it's more than just someone asking for a lot of money because people who are new at design can kind of, um, they could, they can assess their value a little bit too high and charge you for something that you think is great because you have no knowledge in design. I mean, you have no context. And so the idea here is I want to, I want to elevate the understanding of design so that the whole industry improves, but also so that you're making sure that you're getting the best value. If you're going to be paying five grand for a logo, you want to make sure it's a damn good logo. And you want to understand why it's a good logo and not just because it's pretty or it has your cat on it <laughs> or you know whatever the case may be it's got to be something that that actually is psychologically effective and works so some of the the concepts i pulled from people who are following me on my personal facebook page i posed the same the question how do you spot a new designer and um, they gave me some good suggestions and i i have a few of my own that i'm familiar with as well so let's i'm going to literally just kind of go down the list and talk about a couple of things um and for those of you uh, uh, joining live, which I think it's only Molly right now, but if there's others, um, please say hello in the comments. Let me know how you guys are doing. Um, if you have any questions during the course of the show, 
I will do my best to answer them as I'm talking, but sometimes I lose my train of thought, so I'll just kind of do my thing and see what happens. <laughs> um, so the first thing that comes to mind is templates or sites like Fiverr and um, I can only really think of Fiverr right now because I don't use those anymore, but Fiverr or uh, um, Thumbtack was one that I was using, which they're very different things, but a lot of the times you'll see these sites that offer cheaper work for people. Um, cheaper work in the sense that uh, uh, cheaper cheaper work in the sense that it's like a logo for 200 bucks or, you know, I want an animation for five bucks on Fiverr. And the thing is like, you get what you pay for, first of all. And most of those designers are using templates. Um, they're not actually offering services that are worth $5 uh, or, or rather they are offering services that are worth $5, but they're not doing the thing from scratch. And, and that doesn't make it worth $5. You know what I'm saying? Like you're paying for them to basically replace text and render it. And that's worth $5 to them. And they think that's worth $5 to you. Um, so you're not really getting a fancy logo. You're getting someone basically updating a template for you or maybe changing the colors or things like that. And that is not, they shouldn't be calling themselves a graphic designer. <laughs> if that's the case, to be blunt. Um, you're using skills and you're basically a pixel pusher, pusher at that point. Um, and you're, and, and the people offering that are, you know, you can use something like Fiverr to try to get people in the door. You can try to say like, Hey, I can do this like quick copywriting job or this quick little thing. Um, that is actually worth $5 and you're not tricking someone like $5 logos. No, don't do that. $5 websites. No, don't do that. That's just preposterous and you're likely just going to get a template that someone else is um it, it, that that other people are using and it's not unique to your business or your brand at all um and it's it's just it's just going to hurt you more than it's helping you so you might as well skip that altogether um the only time that you know there are instances when you can go to fiverr um and that's really when you're just trying to establish a connection with somebody you're trying to find a designer you're trying to find someone to work with um, but again, you have to like, you got to be careful. Uh, the fact that you're someone that, and most people that go to Fiverr are someone that doesn't have any experience with design. So they haven't seen these templates before. They haven't seen these logos before, but because, you know, someone like me who has seen probably every template and logo under the sun, I literally see logos that people show me on Facebook or something. And I'm like, I've seen that before. I like, I've literally seen that before. I'm not just saying like a style or a trend. I'm like, I've seen that actual logo before. <laughs> and that's not good for your credibility. Um, not only that, but you know, it's probably not even legally signed over to you. So there's some tricky stuff there. Now, again, with templates, uh, templates in themselves, you know, again, Fiverr is a completely different thing. But if we move on to templates, you can use templates as a starting point when you're designing something, especially when you're a young designer, using templates is a way to like, to, to grab a PSD of something, open the Photoshop file and kind of see how the file works. You know, you can look at all of the elements that are used in there. You can look at all of the, the effects. You can look at the, the camera raw settings. If it's photography, you can look at all the little things and see stuff in use. Because if you're just, if you're fairly new to, to, to graphic design or to Photoshop in particular, uh, it's it's going to be very daunting to open Photoshop and and see and look at all the panels and look at everything that's going on. And you're just like, where do I even start? 
um, you know, if you're doing tutorials and stuff. Um, so one of the things you can really learn about is grabbing those, those graphic files and playing with them, you know, learning how smart objects work, learning how to, how the layers are arranged. Um, just literally start clicking things on and off. And that's a way that you can learn as a designer, as a young designer to, to update and hone your craft. Um, you know, the templates are, there's no shame in starting with a template, but understand that in order to make a template something your own or something for the client that is theirs, it does still take that extra thought that it takes to, to, to be something that's unique or fits their brand or something that's even wildly different from what the template is to start with so that it feels unique and new to you. And that doesn't mean just changing the colors, but it, it, it's going to mean like if you're updating a, um, a, a, a like an EPS file on an illustrator or something, it means like going in and changing the splines and having like a, a completely different, you know, making a completely different vibe out of it and not just literally taking it, changing the colors or changing the text or something like that, but use it as a starting point, use it as a muse and develop it from, develop it from there. Um, so if you're someone who is hiring some, uh, like a young designer, um, the, the, one of the things you can really do is like while they're creating your logo, do a little bit of research on the types of logos that they're offering you, uh, you know, and make sure that you're working with your designer to, to go through the process of, of selecting the concepts. What I do with, with, uh, with clients is I want to make sure that I, they see the process all the way through. So they see my sketches, they see, um, I'm very, very transparent about everything. Like, even if I were to use a template, I would be very transparent about the fact that, Hey, we're going to take this template and we're going to like extract this and this and this, and then I'll show them a sketch or something and say like, it's going to turn into this, this, this just makes my life a little bit easier. And even sometimes you don't even need to show them that, you know, you show them the sketch, you show them the, the, the process of, of what it's going to be like. Uh, so if you're working with a designer, I would want you to make sure that you're seeing parts of the process. If they're completely closed off and they're just saying like, here's a logo, I'm done. Like I'd be a little weary of that. They, they, they're probably hiding their process a little bit and um, you know, make sure that, that you're working with your, your designer to set checkpoints in the process. Because you know, I, I did a logo with Molly, uh, the darling rage on Instagram and uh, we together, worked on like 15 iterations of her logo. It took a lot of work. I had some time where I was working on stuff together and it's easier because we live together. So she literally comes over and says, Hey, that looks nice. But if we weren't, I would probably get to a logical stopping point And I would say, Hey, and I did, I would say, Hey, this is what this is. This is where we are. This is where I would like it to go. How do you feel about X, Y, and Z? And just making sure that the, you're working with the client, uh, through that process. And we can talk a little bit more about logos and, and templates in the future, but I want to kind of move on to um, some of the different um, topics or whatever. Oh, I just lost my headphones. Hold on. Okay, better. <laughs> um, real quick, I, I'm just going to check in on some of the comments. Um, so let's see. Yeah, Molly says you're basically paying for the admin work, basically, um, if you're if you're on Fiverr. So it's really the ad, like literally the admin work of just like changing the text and rendering it. Like that's where, 
you know, if you have a PDF and basically you want those little admin jobs, if you're going to Fiverr, those are the ones that you probably want to actually like to do is to just, or to ask for like, Hey, I need a PDF updated real quick. That's worth five bucks. Anything that's probably going to take less than five minutes. And again, if you're not sure if it's going to take less than five minutes, ask a real designer and say, Hey, can I just go to Fiverr for this? And then most likely they'll just say, yeah, because any real designer doesn't want to do that. <laughs> and they'll say like, yeah, just go to Fiverr because I'm not doing it. Um, uh, let's see. Um, what else we got? Uh, Pratesh says, it's never actually $5, for, uh, $5 though. I have sourced Fiverr. And um, doo -doo -doo -doo. let's see what else we've got. So Pratesh also says, thank you. I love working with people like you. I've had client projects where the budget only allowed for templates. But if someone says it's a template, but the template looks great and it's in budget, then let's do it. And that's true. That is one way that designers, myself, somebody's always mowing the lawn when I'm, when I'm doing videos. <laughs> it's like the same time every day. It's the worst. Um, but, uh, and, and let me know if it's too distracting, I'll close windows and stuff. But for the most part, um, some designers will, will offer lower rates or part of a lower package if they're going to use a template. But again, make sure that you're changing it enough that it's still unique to your business and you're not just getting scammed by somebody like literally hitting delete, 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 delete. Put in the business name, render, copy, and out the door because that's too cheap. Um, okay, good, because I can, I can hear the... Uh, I can hear the lawnmower loud as day, and I'm like, stop it all the time. Ugh. Um, and uh, yeah, Molly also says, yep, it's a long process to get uh, to get uh, to the right fit for your brand. So um, yeah, and, and you know, we're going to have throughout this show, throughout the life of the show, we're going to go into a lot of detail for different topics. I'm going to talk about a lot of conceptual things. This is really not meant to be a space for tutorials. I think occasionally I will, or I might do some on-screen stuff if it's relevant to what we're talking about. Or, you know, I played with the idea of like offering uh, a quick, you know, offering someone who can pitch me their idea, like what, if I can make a logo for them in an hour, they can keep it or, but they can't change it <laughs> or something like that. I don't really know. Um, just playing with different ideas. Uh, next thing that, uh, I think it was Emma mentioned. She said uh, color combinations, and uh, I added the reasons behind those color combinations. So not necessarily just, not just picking colors because you think, you know, pink is nice, or you've seen someone else do that color or something like that. There's, I mean, color theory is its whole, whole own thing, which I would actually, uh, Molly, I know you're watching, and uh, if you would love to do a color theory video with me, I think that would be really rad. Um, Color theory is something that takes a lot of thought. It takes time. It takes process. It takes learning. It takes understanding of how colors harmonize or contrast um, and the psychological meanings and reasons behind your color choices. Uh, it, it varies based on culture. Uh, it depends on what part of the world or even in what part of the U.S. if you're working locally. Um, uh, uh, what colors will resonate better with a certain audience? Um, and also for the type of industry that you're trying to create designs for. So, you know, if you're doing something that is about, 
you know, nature, you're probably going to use more like greens and yellows and, and maybe a little bit of blues and stuff like that and play with something that reminds people of nature. Uh, it's not universal, but it, you know, it kind of changes uh, depending on the needs and whatnot. So, um, Bali says color theory is one of my favorite subjects. And I think you would be a lot more well-versed at that than, than I would on my own. I'd have to, I, you know, I'm not really, I'm always good at like the gist of things. I can't remember a lot of specifics when it comes to color theory and just watching her paint, she knows it. I think the lawnmower is getting closer. You can hear it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can hear it now. That's so maddening. Um, uh, the next thing on my list is terminology. And uh, this was actually Molly's suggestion as well, was the that terminology and just knowing your stuff is one of the big differences between an amateur designer and an experienced one. Um, something as simple as knowing like kerning and letting the spaces between words and letters, letters and words and how they, how, how you got to take that into account when you're doing any kind of uh, like a, a publication work or logo work or anything like that, you know, different typesettings and things like that knowing all the terminology in terms of even technical stuff when it comes to like Adobe programs and rendering and, um, you know, keyframes, things like that. Just, you know, if they're using a uh, uh, very vague terminology, like, uh, yeah, the, you know, the pretty shapes and the thing and the, the pointer little tool thing and the, the, the dropper thing or, you know, whatever, you know, using very vague terminology to explain things or to, um, <clears throat> to talk a little bit about, some of uh, uh, some of the design process, that could be a bit of a sign that you're dealing with someone who is not as experienced just yet, and it might have you know it might not have to turn you off from working with them, um, because you know chances are that you might necessarily not know the terminology as well, but it's also thinking and knowing about uh, design in a sense that is more psychological than it is just about the pretty pictures or the tools or things like that. So speaking more in depth, which is something that she also elaborated on as well is talking a little bit more in depth and detail. And you're, you're kind of educating your client as well. So it's someone or the client or they should be, the designer should be educating you as the client to learn more about what it is that you're doing. So that when somebody comes to you and says like, Oh, that's a really great logo. Maybe you could even speak to it a little bit, um, because the diner, the designer, the diner, the designer, I'm hungry. The designer educated you on, you know, some of the ways that this logo or this, this publication or whatever was built, uh, with website design and stuff too. So, um, Molly says, if you can't talk to me about the psychology of color, I don't want you making my logo. Absolutely. It's a, it's a major factor because there's so much subconsciousness, subconscious thought and ideas and subtext going on. People are going about the world absorbing so much detail and so much information that they're not going to try to figure out all of the little details of your logo. They're going to see it at its face value in its setting or maybe even not in its setting if you're doing outdoor advertising or somewhere that's slightly out of context. You need to be able to strike that relevance and create that context anywhere the logo or the or, or the, the the branding elements go they need to both make that association with you and your brand 
but also quickly associate it with the industry, associate it with their needs, and make sure it just kind of makes sense, you know? And, and it has to be subconscious. It has to be really quick. Everybody is doing things, you know, quick, so, so fast, and we just gotta, gotta be ready to, 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 to deal with that. <clears throat> um... Pratesh says there's a reason 90% of law firms and politics use blue and red. I've noticed a lot of law firms will use gold and black, like more like opulent colors to kind of show. It really depends on who they're working with. Um, but you're right, for the most part, like politics and lawyers, anything, you know, patriotic will use a lot of blue and red because of that patriotism. They're like, oh, we're America. We represent the people and stuff. So, you know. The problem is it's so cliche that, uh, you know, the the Obama logo was was hugely um, popular because it was just so different from everything that was presented before it. It had this really, really lovely symbolism. It had the horizon going on. It was just there was a lot going on with that that was lovely and um, approachable and likable. And it still said political, but it was softer and more you know, refined and respectful, um, which represented him very well, I feel. And um, there are authoritative colors as well, uh, Pratesh says. Um, he says, uh, yeah, yellow equals happy, friendly, um, approachable, which is why I liked Amy's logo, yellow. Um, yeah, but you also have to think about the, you know, uh, contrast. And, you know, while it's 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 the combination of multiple things going on, right? You, you don't just pick yellow because it's um it, it it has a subtext or a meaning it has to also work for other elements of your branding it has to create certain contrast and things like that um beautiful and effective branding in action uh, you know it has to be a bit of both uh exactly um so let's see what else we've got here uh another and this one's a big one for me uh early on a lot of young designers will use a lot of effects, um, which is kind of funny given my intro that I just did, which is very effects heavy. Um, but you know, I'll probably change and pull back. Um, what usually a lot of young designers will do is like in an effort to use all of the tools necessary, you know, you start playing with all of the, um, you start playing with every little detail. You use bevels and everything. You're using drop shadows. Please don't use drop shadows. Um, you're using, you know, too many strokes, you're using a lot of different effects. Uh, you're just throwing the kitchen sink at every design because you're like, oh, this is a design. It's great. It's brah. That's going to make them know that I'm a designer if I just show them every effect under the sun. And um, that's just not how that works. You know, good design is about being able to use all of the the, the core elements of what how, how design works and be able to practice effective restraint. You know, it's about accomplishing the goal within the means of what good design is, and not necessarily trying to prove to the client that you know how to use Photoshop. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you can use everything in Photoshop. Most of the time, you know, clients have no idea how it is that things are getting done. They have no idea how long it takes. They have no idea how, um, how many little steps or iterations or changes go into any kind of design. There is so much that clients don't see and they don't need to see. All they need to see is the steps to the end product 
and you know basically everything that you do to get to each checkpoint they and um you know sometimes they'll see little things and, and that's the point for having checkpoints is like you're taking all of this length of time to work on something and then present it to them so that they don't have to see your entire process you know i i, I hope they don't want to see your entire process i would not want that look i would not want that uh I wouldn't want that person as a client to stand over my shoulder and be picky like that. It's like, if you know how to use Photoshop, then you do it. <laughs> um, so the, the kind of the point is it's, um, and, and yes, Amy brings up a really good point, which is why they also don't understand why it's so expensive. Um, so we can, and that's why I practice, you know, those checkpoints, you know, so you can give them a sense of like, uh, what went into this, but they don't have to know all of the little details, you know, which is why I like to make sure when I'm doing logos for clients, then I'm like, I'm going to show you the sketches. I'm going to show you the first comps. I'm going to show you the second comp, and then we're going to pick a final. And I, I want to make sure that they're at least seeing the process because usually from A to B to B to C to C to D, they're like, whoa, that's a big difference. And that's a big difference. And that's a big difference. And if they can't tell the subtleties and they're having problems with the value, then maybe you can explain it a little bit more. Um, but again, it's up to designers to be able to explain more of the details of the psychology and the research. And this is something that I have conversations with clients with before I work with them is to make sure that they understand that there is so much, um, there's so much thought and research that goes into every job. You know, even if a client has established branding, I need to understand what it is about their branding that works, how can I elevate that without alienating the existing branding every, that, that is going on everywhere else? Um, while also uh, connecting with people in their industry, connecting with their, their potential clients as well. There's just a lot going on in terms of like business thought that I think is missed in the communication of what goes into design, um, if that makes sense. I'm gonna go back a little bit into the comments and see what else we've got. Um, and I'm glad you guys are watching. Thank you. Um, this is pretty great. Um, let's see. But Molly says, but good design is about holistically thinking about all of those things at once and using creative problem solving to come to the best solution. That's a really good point also, is that graphic design is a very, very, very big problem solving uh, industry. It's about like fixing things. And, and there's so many little problems where not even just like technically with trying to get something to work in Photoshop, but with, with solving a communication problem, with solving an effectiveness problem, psychological problem, um, trying to get someone to feel like the logo is worth it. Because again, the point of this podcast and the point of, 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 of um, the point that a lot of designers are having trouble with is communicating that value and letting people know that, we're doing more than just pushing pixels. We're thinking, we're researching, we're working through things. We're sometimes talking with other designers. We're going through this process of critiquing and going back and forth. And what has allowed me to kind of charge more for, for work with clients is, is both that experience, but letting them know at the outset, like, hey, this is going to be a developed process. This takes time. This is, this is very important. And I want you to know that it's important and that I find it important for you. Um, let's see. Um, Molly also says drop shadows equal death. So I want to talk about drop shadows for a second because I talked about, I talked about too many effects for a second, but the biggest one 
the easiest sign, the easiest thing that I can look at to notice if a client, or rather if a designer is an amateur, amateur, is drop shadows. The usage of drop shadows. It tells me that you haven't thought about creating visual contrast in another way, or you don't know how, or you haven't experimented with it. Um, or that you haven't put thought into the colors that you're using. And because you haven't done that, then you felt like, okay, this is not popping on the background enough. I need to add a drop shadow. No, 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 Nanette, no, no. Do not do that. <laughs> Get your finger off of the drop shadow button. Stop it. <laughs> Think about color contrast first and foremost. But if you're a client looking for a designer, just know that if you see drop shadows on their work, they're probably going to give you some drop shadows and it's not, it's, it's not, it's not a, it's not a pretty picture. I don't want to do it. Okay. Um, let's see. Molly says it's similar to creating an effective painting. When you look at it, it feels seamless, but there's a long, thoughtful and intentional process under the surface. Um, Yes, absolutely. I was looking at another comment and I got lost. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I look at paintings and, you know, it's it's like, it's it's kind of the ability and knowledge to look at the details and understand the details as opposed to just looking at it at, for face value and understanding that it's like, okay, great, I have a logo, I can move on. But if you don't have any education about design or art, you're just going to look at it, especially modern art, and <laughs> look at this big square and you're just like, this is a square. Why is it $2 million? What the hell is going on? There's a lot about the story. There's a lot about this under what's underneath the surface, the process, um, the notoriety of the person. There's a, there's just a, there's a lot going on that is really hard to, um, that is, that is hard to convey or it is not intentionally conveyed, uh, in, in art and that's fine art, but graphic design is a completely different thing as well. Um, and similar in so many ways, actually, uh, uh that, we're trying to convey, you know, all of this detail and all of these things that are going on in terms of thinking. And that's really the difference between, uh, you know, kind of an amateur designer and a more experienced designer is just like, you know, they just haven't had the experience yet to, to realize that they have to think about all of these other things. And sometimes that, that does come with time. You know, there's no fault for, there, there's no reason you can't use a younger designer or newer designer um, just understand the quality is going to be different and they're going to be coming to you for, they're going to be asking you different questions and you're going to get a different result. That's all. Um, yeah, Amy calls her checkpoints milestones, uh, which is good too. You know, whatever your terminology, whatever works for you. I mean, you know, I don't know that I literally call it one or the other every single time. It's just whatever whatever resonates, whatever comes out of my mouth <laughs> is what happens. Um, and, uh, Ross Holmes says there's a lot of nuances, which is absolutely true. Um, Pratesh says, are you going to drag my after effects video? Uh, are, uh, that logo animation thing. I am, uh, I only looked at it once. So if you want me to do a critique on this show, we can do that. We'll work that out later. Um, it did look like it was a templated thing. I'll say that much. Um, but if it's working for you for now, like to use it, you know, it's like if you have access to templates, whether it's especially for After Effects work, because that stuff is hard, um, 
you know, do it. That's fine. If you're an amateur, do it. But, but also be willing to ask for opinions, be willing to see the opportunities for growth and, you know, try to do something a little bit better next time. You know, there's nobody goes from being a, a, a completely new at something to automatically being an expert. You know, it takes the whole 10,000 hours and years and a long, very, very long time of, of experimenting and playing and doing new things. You know, it's, it's, it takes time, it takes process, but mostly it takes a willingness to grow. And, um, you know, it, it, it just really depends. So really what, okay. So that, that gives me the thought is that really what I'm talking about here is I, I, I used the term new designer, but I, I was kind of avoiding saying the word bad designer because I didn't want to be all douchey about it, but whatever. I'm kind of saying like how to avoid or how to spot bad designers. Um, and that really means someone who's been saying they've been doing design for 10 years and they're still using drop shadows. Like, fuck you. That's stop it. <laughs> You're a grown ass designer. Why are you still doing that? Stop it. <laughs> um, so that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about here. Totally hit my head on things. Um, where's Haley so we can argue about this? Yeah, there was a little bit of discussion going on. Um, okay, so we can move on. Um, you know, we kind of covered psychology kind of throughout all of this, but, but the emphasis on psychology is, is what will make a more experienced designer stand out versus, uh, a newer one or, or a bad designer, someone who has, um, is taking that psychology in, into account and literally talking to you about it. If you're hiring a designer, you are kind of waiting for them to have that conversation with you. They need to be asking you questions. They need to be learning about you, your business, your intentions, who you want to attract and giving you the feedback based on both of their experience or their research as to like, you know, how they can execute on that and connect with people psychologically. You know, graphic design is really visual communication because that is, that can be one of the big differences between like fine art and graphic design is graphic design has to be understandable every single time. If you're trying to convey something to someone, they have to get it. A designer, which is another thing on my list, can't come to you and say, you're not going to get it. You have to get it. Everybody, as many people as possible, have to understand it. They have to know what's going on. They have to know what is being communicated, whether that's subconscious and immediate or with an obvious visual and text angle. It needs to be clear. And the difference is that it doesn't necessarily have to be clear in the sense that it has to have the word underneath the thing. So you're just like, here's an abstract image and here's the word and this is how you understand it. I've seen a lot of logos recently that are doing that. They just pick a, they just pick a thing and then they put the text and they're like, see, it's connected. It all makes sense. But no, you think about the visual and how that conveys the word instantly. So you know what that means and you have to understand it. It's the difference between, again, going to an art gallery and seeing like a red square and you're like, I don't get it. Well, that's fine. In that case, you can afford to not get it because there's a lot to undercover. There's a lot to unpack. It'll take time. If you're interested in the artists, you can learn about their history. You can learn how they made the art, made the art, <laughs> uh, and learn more about, you know, what it is that, uh, that they're conveying. But with graphic design, 
it has to be clear. And that involves a lot of psychological introspective thought, basically. So um, to kind of circle back to the this whole like you don't get it thing or you won't get it is like super hipster, by the way. Don't don't fucking do that. And um, and and the other thing is like if you're creating a graphic design piece for someone, you're creating a website. I always use logos because I, I love making logos and that's that that making logos encompasses like the full breadth of what it takes to be a designer, honestly. Um, so I like to use those as example examples. Um, but the, the, the general, um, idea here is if someone's coming to you, if they made a logo for you and you know, they're like, they present it to you and you're, and they're like, uh, you know, you're, you're not really going to understand what I'm trying to do here, but it's really good. I promise I've been doing this for a long time and this is what a logo is supposed to look like. So here, just take it, put it in your mouth. (laughs) And that's just, no, that's not how that works. So the same in that same vein, like people who are trying to use graphic design as art, which you can totally use their graphic design skills as art. But if you're doing things for a graphic design for a, for a client and you need to convey communication, you can't necessarily just defend your choices, your bad choices as art. The, the, the graphic designer cannot define or defend their bad choices as an artistic choice it's bullshit because in design and it's a topic that i'm going to break into and at some point in a future episode there is such thing in design as objective truth versus subjective opinion and design is hard to convey that because trends change things change but there are universal things again it goes with color theory and psychology that are universal in terms of 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 being pleasing to the eye and connecting with people there there is a difference between something that works and something that doesn't that you're trying to force into it you know square peg round hole that whole situation and that just sounds uncomfortable um and um and and to that point so there's kind of like two more points here to that point is not being able to give or take constructive criticism this is a big one because amateur designers will so okay first of all first of all when they're getting feedback they'll be very defensive uh, a, a lot of amateur designers do this now it depends on uh, on a maturity level because experienced designers will freak out too um but it is one way to spot someone who is not a healthy person to work with i should say that is that they don't take criticism well. You will tell them that, hey, I don't think these colors are working. I don't really know why because I, you know, I'm not experienced in design or anything, but I just, for some reason, my brain's just not connecting to it and I, I just don't think it's working. I don't think my audience will like this. I don't think it's going to work. Can you tell me a little bit more about how we can make this better? And then the designer freaks out and you're just like, this design's not working. Uh, I spent like 16 hours on this design. Uh, You need to just take it. You're paying like 500 bucks. This is not working. Uh, No. So, you know, they're going to be a big baby about it. Then you probably shouldn't work with them. (laughs) It's, um, you know, the, the point of constructive criticism is is for 
someone to give you information. That's the point. It's nothing personal and you shouldn't take it personally as a designer um, or even as someone who is, is having their logo, their current logo evaluated by a designer for improvement. It's going to be harder for someone to, who, ha- who isn't a designer to, to, to get that critique. But that's the flip side. That is where a designer needs to be able to, to learn how to give, especially a non-designer, a client, a critique on their logo in a way that is tactful and thoughtful and takes you know, human emotion into account. And the fact that people are going to be a little bit sensitive or maybe defensive of their you know, their baby. This is something that's represented their business for a while and they don't want to be told it's bad. That's why when you're trying to market to people on Instagram, you can't just message them and say, Hey, your website is terrible. Let me fix it. That's not, no, (laughs) because people are going to be like, fuck you. I like my logo. I like my website. I like my logo. So I'm going to stick with it. You got to be a little bit more tactful and, uh, you know, amateur designers are not going to are not going to use tact very well. They might be a little bit too abrasive um, and they might just be too, too analytical and specific. And then it's not going to be really helpful for anyone. Um, And then kind of the, um, the last thing is, and, and, you know, these are all topics. All of these things that we're talking about are things that I can absolutely go into detail on other shows. And I will, that's the point of this podcast is to go in depth with stuff. Um, so the last one I want to talk about before I kind of slow this train down, let's see, we've been going for 45 minutes now. Ooh. Um, as a, is, is an amateur designer will often point out their own flaws of the flaws of the design as they're presenting it to the client. They will present it to the client and say like, uh, you know, I, I know the kerning's off and I know, that the spacing between these things are a little bit off. I just kind of noticed it. These colors are a little bit weird. You know, you're just kind of like trying to soften the blow. But for the most part, I find that, you know, you end up like shooting yourself in the foot that way. A lot of designers who are not comfortable and confident will try to catch every little flaw because they're so per- so so focused on creating this sense of perfection or their per- their their own uh their own sense of perfection, which is another topic we can talk about. Um, and trying to convey that to the client, they want to be perfect. They want everything to work right, but they forget a couple of things. They forget a, the client is not a designer and they don't care. B all they really want is for the logo to work, to be visually pleasing and for it to make sense, make obvious sense that this thing that you're presenting them is better than anything that they could do or their little cousin, Jerry could do. Um, I don't know whose little cousin would be called Jerry these days. Is there like kids being named Jerry still? (laughs) That's something I'd like to know about. Um, let's get to the bottom of that. Um, maybe Gerald, but I don't know if anyone's like shortening your name to Jerry these days. Um, it's like, uh, it's like one of those names that like, is anyone naming their kid Gertrude? I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, they'll basically like shoot themselves in the foot when they're presenting something and that is often a sign of insecurity and trying to catch something before the client does so that they try to make themselves sound smarter because they 
fixed they, they they have the eye for something that they should have fixed but they didn't before they presented to the client if only that's going to make you um if anything that's only going to make you look stupid because it's just like well if you noticed this then why didn't you just fix it yeah you know so that's that's it's crazy <laughs> right um so uh, that about covers it um let me look at the last few comments uh, Molly says also design and art are the, are two different things. Um, don't say that a crappy logo is a work of art as a way to be precious about it and avoid making better design decisions. Absolutely. She also says constructive criticism and feedback uh, are always helpful for growth in some way. And absolutely. You know, if you're going to be growing as a designer or as somebody who is a non-designer trying to learn a little bit more about graphic design and how you can you know, learn how to work with designers or spot how to do things a little bit better because there are a lot more people these days doing things on, on Canva or on their phone or free services. You know, the things that those, those services and those tools don't teach you are the, the, the guidelines, the know-how, the theory about everything, the theory of everything as it pertains to design. So you gotta, you gotta really take the time to, to, to learn those things. I had a train of thought and I lost it, but you know, whatever you follow what I'm, what I'm, you, you can pick up what I'm putting down. Can't you? I hope so. So that is my, you know, kind of extensive list of how to spot a new designer, which is actually kind of, kind of subtly saying how to spot a bad designer because it, it's really about like anyone who's been working in design for 10 years and still making certain mistakes is someone that you shouldn't be working with. You know, it's, it's kind of like setting boundaries in business. These are people that you should be considering, uh, who are you working, who you're working with because of their attitude, because of the way they approach work, the way, the way that they found you, um, the way that they're critiquing your existing stuff, the way that they're approaching business in terms of like setting milestones and showing you a bit of the process, uh, talking about the details, talking about psychology, color theory, you know, being on it and knowing their stuff, and knowing the little details and saying like, hey, I need to make one more little pass. Um, I'm glad you approve this. Let me take one little pass and fix little things. And then being able to let go of it and, and move on to the next project. Um, but then be able to follow up and build relationships with your clients and connect and continue to talk with them and work with them. So, you know, just to kind of recap the list a little bit, we talked about uh, templates and Fiverr. Um, using color combinations and the reason reasons behind them, knowing your terminology, using too many effects is a surefire sign to know that, that you're working with uh, a, an amateur designer, especially too many drop shadows um, or really any drop shadows. You should be using contrast and color contrast to find ways to, to make things pop and um, uh, talking, using psychological theory and thinking and feeling as a means to convey ideas, um, constructive criticism, whether taking it or giving it and, um, pointing out flaws when they're presenting stuff to try to make themselves sound smarter when they're not, because they should have fixed it before they showed them or just keeping your mouth shut and fixing it later or, um, defending their choices as art or an opinion when they're not following, you know, uh, objective design rules and guidelines and just saying it's art or you won't get it because you're too hipster to understand what's going on. So, um, that's, that's it. You know, those are some pretty decent guidelines. Um, I think we'll do some follow-up videos in the future about 
some of these specifically, do some more breakdowns. Some ideas for things that I want to talk about in the future are more like design theory based. Um, just talking about things that are going to help people who are using Canva, people who are non-designers at all, who are trying to hire a designer, understand graphic design a little bit more, how to connect with people, how to, how to look for good designers, how to, um, what is the difference between an opinion when it comes to design and design choices versus, you know, design guidelines and things that you should always consider when you're designing. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about video stuff as we go. We're going to talk about different forms of media. We'll talk about audio. We'll talk about podcasting. We'll talk about all sorts of things. Um, we're going to talk about color theory and I'm going to have Molly on to talk about that one day. And, um, I'm not always going to do live videos. Some of these will be pre-recorded. Um, I'm also going to talk about technology and all other um, fun things. So I've got a video that I'm going to do. I'll probably record it tomorrow that I'm going to talk about Google duplex, which is the, um, Google AI, which is the Google assistant that is able to make phone calls for you, which is going to be creepy as shit. <laughs> and, um, more specifically, I want to talk about how marketers are going to ruin it and start tricking people using that stuff. I mean, we're a few years away before like the average person really starts to find ways to exploit it. But man, things are going to get tricky. You're going to not want to take phone calls even more than ever. So we're going to talk a little bit about about that on the next episode. Um, but for now, I'm going to play my intro again to sound us off. Um, I hope you guys have a good day. Take care of yourselves. If you have any questions about spotting a bad designer or a new designer, you're not sure, or if you're even in that situation where you're like, I need to hire a designer and I'm just, I'm not sure, you know, if I should work with this person you know, ask me. I'm more than happy. So um, you can check out my work at cnote.media and hi, my name is Christian.com. And also check out my other podcast, dopamine.life, which is about mental health and mindset for creatives and entrepreneurs. So that is it for today, for this week. I think this is going to be a weekly show. I appreciate you guys sticking around. Thanks for sharing your thoughts and your opinions. I really appreciate you guys. Have a good weekend. Take care of each other and yourselves. See you.